Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film, Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. Pete will be back with us next week. Today, we are talking about Minute 44, which begins with Roder, Hooter, and Schneider laying into Schmidt and ends with Schmidt starting his retort. Joining us on the show today is the team from the Timeline Scavengers podcast, Colin Parker and James Anderson. Hello again, gents. Hello. Oh, did you time that? Mm-hmm. We, we practice. Yes, we've been practicing it. Yeah. It's like you've been podcasting before. That's, that's great. You, every, you, you get together and you do this. Okay, we got to do this at least I need once. to be, I need you here. You're not here. Like that's Colin. But every, I need to be, yeah. need, you, you need to be right here. No, you take the low, right. You're, you're a little flat. Give him a, yeah. give him an A, Steve. Well, great. There goes the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, this minute starts off. Steve is looking at himself. Uh, what is going through his mind right now? Do you think that this is the moment where his brain processes everything that just happened and he realizes, oh, I think I might be a super soldier? Yeah, for sure. Because like when we last left off, right, like when we were when we were kind of making the jokes of like him kind of admiring himself, he has just barely looked down. But at the very start of this clip where we get like three full seconds of just him silently breathing heavy, but also like there's a man now dead at his feet and he's literally like lifting his arms even higher and just being like, oh, wait, is this is this me? Whoa, yo. <laughs> and like he keeps looking back and forth at them. He like I think he looks at each arm, I think at least twice. Um, <laughs> it's like very like it's such a long time to be standing there just looking at his arms and it's like i it's very strange but also at the same time like it's great because he has he only had a very brief moment to like kind of process earlier when she's like how are you feeling and he's like taller which is like not really an answer i mean it right. is but it's not it is really literally true yeah right but like she's like mm, ah, well yes that me nope never i won't never mind nope, here's a shirt I, I, right yeah. And like he like that's all the time he gets before he's like, oh, my adrenaline is now coursing through my veins. I am taking off after this guy. This is crazy. Like he's never had an actual moment to like look at the results. And he's like, wow, I just did so many things that would have like the second I tried to run, I would have died. You know, and like now I've done all this. The only moment he had was when he first starts running after Kruger, in, who's driving. And and suddenly it's like he realizes, oh, I could actually go faster. And he starts in like he he kicks it into high gear. And You're right. He does look down like at his legs, like I think or it's, it's, it's somewhere like he does look straight down and it's like, oh, no, let me put on the after boosters or like click in on the stick to run faster. Press the lighter five times and get that yeah. thing going. Exactly. Um, could he be checking himself for injury? I never thought about that before. If he's like, really? Nothing? Huh. His arm goes through glass, yeah. That's I mean, that's that's a good point. And I did wonder, like, when he when he jumps off of the car and like does the roll on the road, like I I'm surprised there's not even like a smudge of dirt on him. And that's to that end, it's like, is the shirt by default because he's wearing it now also like a super shirt? Yeah, you know, because it's, yeah. it's like how does how does this shirt not even have like a smudge on it? Like I, I'm a little perplexed about it got cut from the film, but it's a Marvel favorite. It is unstable. Uh, unstable molecules that's right that's what it's it is. like right no and like that sounds like i'm you know you know pulling your chain or something it is like 
one of the most common things in Marvel comics. Straight up, usually Reed Richards doing it, but like Reed Richards loves to just be like, the you need something great. Here's some unstable molecules, and so like if it does anything that you don't <laughs> expect it to do, he's just like, well, that's the that's the case, you know. Yeah, how yeah. they write off so much stuff. And the, I thought it was just a '60s thing, but I've read it up through like current. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, it still like, exists. Yeah. Unstable molecules, the answer. Yeah. I was going to make a joke about Teflon shirts being all the rage in Brooklyn in the 40s, but uh, Colin's answer was <laughs> way more on point, and I just wanted to also This was a better no thing. prize. Yeah. Yours was like yeah. a maybe prize. <laughs> a try-hard prize. Second, try, second try, prize, yeah. no prize, and that's no prize. Um, <laughs> that's actually no prize. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think What do you think all the guys down at the end of the pier are thinking about what they just witnessed? I kept seeing these dock workers in the background like, hmm. Well, I guess you don't see that every day. Here's the thing. It's it's say so true to what New York is, because if Law and Order has taught me anything, it's that <laughs> the craziest things Here could be John happening. Impression. Exactly. And they they'll just be like, hmm, let me just keep moving these crates. He threw a Nazi out of the water. Crazy. Anyway, here's another crate. You know? <laughs> or, or or the opposite, where it's like, I didn't see nothing. Like like right, a Johnny Taylor sort of deal. Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of them's like, just like, just ignore it. Don't get involved. <laughs> right. Don't get involved. Hey, tell the new kid to keep his head down. Right. He's like, you already took your break for the day. Keep moving those boxes. And he's like, but sir, there's something. He's like, I don't care, Johnny. Keep them moving. We will hire the wet kid. Yeah. The boxes aren't going to move themselves. <laughs> yeah. That kid knows how to swim. You know how to swim? That's what I thought. Get back to work. Yeah. That's right. What's interesting in the script, this is when Peggy actually shows up. Uh, The script says, just then, Peggy squeals up in the sedan. She jumps out and runs to Steve. More Jeeps full of MPs screech in. Not necessary. I guess it would have, like, kind of closed the fact that, you know, they were all kind of on the case as well, as opposed to just Steve. But it's like, yeah, but do you need that? (laughs) He he didn't just leave... <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point though. Like, there is All something right. very odd about the fact that he's the only one who seemingly does give chase, and the rest of them are like, "He's got it. He's fine." <laughs> I've never thought about well, that. Well, and it's funny because he's their super soldier. He's the experiment, and True. he just took off. And they're probably more inclined to catch right. him than True. they're worried yeah. about my investment. <laughs> you know, Brant runs after him. He's as fast. Yeah. Bring the car around <laughs> to his unnamed aide. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts about this moment with Steve or anything that we have talked about so far? Or should we get into the next moment when we go back to Europe? He's just real strong. That's all. He's very strong. Just a real strong boy. It's so it's such a long shot. It is. It is a very long shot. He's just like, yeah, he, he was whispering. Hold on me. Don't cut. He looks. He reminds me of the rock guy in the Neverending Story, looking at his hands when he's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, look like such big, strong hands." It's also very funny because for a second I thought you meant like a, you were going to mention a scene with the rock in it. And I was like, <laughs> I don't remember the last time the rock has done that. That's interesting. He's he's DC, so we can't yeah. uh, actually talk about him. True. Right? Yeah. Sorry, he doesn't exist. But uh, that's my, one of my favorite things that we talk about sometimes, like on our show, is the Neverending Story. Uh, no, yeah. I just mean like when they leave <laughs> shots on for too long, like. It is one of those things where, like, I understand that people make mistakes sometimes, even in movies. Like, the amount of times where you probably have 20 takes, but you look at something so many times, it's like if you say the word jello 80 times after a while, it doesn't sound like a word anymore, right? Semantics, You probably look at these scenes so many times that little things can slip through because you're just like, I've seen it so many times, it just kind of morphs into one thing, right? 
But like, then you have scenes though where you're like, surely someone at some point looked at these scenes and went, do we need to stay on him for five full seconds in silence? You know, like you couldn't do that in two. Alan Silvestri was like, yes, you yeah. will hang on while this theme plays. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, I need, <laughs> I need to do a swell. So please. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and I think that's the thing because it's not just, I mean, sometimes the scene and the shot is in context of just the story piece that we're looking at, but sometimes it is in context of like the overall, like the bigger picture. And I think this is one of those shots that by itself, it feels like it's going on too long, but in context of the bigger picture, we just had this big chase. We just, you know, he just transformed. We haven't really had a chance other than when he first pops out and he's all, uh, you know, topless and muscular and, and sweaty. Right. Yes. To I really mean, even sure acknowledge is. this person as who he is. And right. so I think this is one of those things where it's like, we need a beat. We need a breather. Let's have it go for a couple extra seconds just so we can all catch our breath before we move on to the next thing. So we can also all go. Hmm. And we're all ogling. Yeah. 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 It's it's actually a good call not to have Peggy show up right at the moment when it's time to look at Steve's chest again. Like, <laughs> All right, here I'm here. What are we doing? Touching? I didn't no, quite no, okay. get to touch it last time. Here, here's yeah. a shirt, and he's like, "I'm wearing a shirt." What yeah. You, oh, uh, uh, that one might uh, be dirty. Take this other one. This one's dry. <laughs> and he's like, "This one's also dry." Just take the shirt, and see. Here's a hat. What? <laughs> why is? Why would that be? Anything? All right, so we are now officially moving from Brooklyn. We are going back to the Hydra base in the Alps. Uh, and we're we come in on a hallway. This is, we haven't seen these parts of the base so far. We've only seen the the lab. This is I like the design of these halls. It's very kind of curved like tunnels, which they are, um, with kind of this blue lighting and this white lighting. At first, when I saw the blue lighting, I'm like, I wonder if they've already started figuring out how to pull the tesseract energy to like power this place. And I don't know if they're quite there, but the blue light certainly, when we get that, starts making me like connect to the Tesseract and what they're doing with it. Did either of you think anything about that when you first come into this location? I forget that that isn't a thing that they've necessarily done yet. I just, I just yeah. take, I take it for complete granted that they were like, first thing is we're getting something to supplement these freaking fluorescent lights that we have down here. It has been <laughs> six months and I have a headache all day. Get me some Tesseract light. I didn't even notice that it was really all that different to me. It's always, I mean, literally cold lighting. For, I think, a multitude of reasons. I mean, again, they're in the Alps. They're in the middle of a mountain. But also, like, it's it's villainry stuff, right? Like, it, it, you know, like the scene where he's getting his portrait done, right? It's like they are indoors, but, like, it, just, like that whole scene is chilling from, like, start to finish. And so I feel like every time you step foot into that base, I feel like they change this lighting to make you feel like, ooh, gosh, ugh. You know, <laughs> the, the hydro lighting director is like professional, like mm -hmm. trained. They it's, you know, because it's it's aesthetic. So like they really like, you know, put them through their courses to make sure that it's like we have visitors make it foreboding, mm -hmm. more foreboding. And yeah. Uh, yeah. no warm lighting here. Get no. rid of those warm, warm yeah. bulbs. Just shoots the bulbs. Just like <laughs> one, two, three. No. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're we're in this hallway i like it when we pass the, the camera pans from a group of hydro troopers as they're marching down the hall uh down to see uh, we're going to we hear a conversation happening uh we'll talk about all the people there in a sec but there's a sign on the wall and i don't my german is terrible uh it says Ung, ungewandte 
Ide Mechanic, which translates to Applied Idea Mechanics. Oh, AIM. <gasps> yeah, AIM. AIM. Whoa. Oh, wow. Interesting. Modoc. I wonder if they're confirmed. Yeah, I wonder if they're ever going to do well. It all, it has. Yeah, they might. Yeah, no, yeah. No, 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 sure. it hasn't. That doesn't count. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> Patton Oswalt is one person. Oh, no, no, no. I meant yeah. like, never mind. Sorry, That's a spoiler sorry. for something else. Sorry. Please continue. Uh, no, it's, just, it's, it's interesting that we have this here. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. So Lack of yellow, it's very, though. It's yeah. very hard to see. It's it's at the very top of the wall that we're panning past. But if you see it, you can translate that. And, uh, yeah, that's what it is. There you go. That's very, very cool. Do you think that that is, like, just like a nod? Because at the time, they weren't really sure if they were ever going to do anything ever, ever again? Or if, do you think they were, like... Let's plant just a little seed for everyone with eagle eyes to like. I feel like at this point, just like the synthetic man, I think that they were dropping a lot of things in here just to have them in here because they, I mean, this was still so early on in all of this that I think they were um, they just weren't super sure. Mm, sure. That's my, like that's when X-Men was having lists of names and it's like, yeah, you've heard of that one and that one and that one. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Love it. So Easter eggs uh, yeah. with no with no value, no candy inside. Right. Yeah. No. But but it's there, and that's what's fun yeah. because love that. the fact that it is here. Theoretically, they could decide much right. later to actually do something oh. with it. And that's so that's one of leaving, those things that's kind of leaving your see. Easter egg open for like a with an open socket so that if someone it's not retcon because it was always there. Right. So if someone wants to just plug into that, oh, that's, I love stuff like that. Love that so much. Yeah. That's yeah. that's ideal franchise filmmaking if you ask right yeah well and that's what i you know i mean not to kind of go off on another tangent but like in spider-man 2 the very first um, of the sequels of kind of like when marvel really kind of started figuring stuff out i felt like it was the the spider-man films and spider-man 2 we had his uh his teacher was and i'm gonna forget his name but uh, mark connors Connors. uh, you're right who who would become the lizard, lizard, yeah. and just the fact that they had him there, just as a teacher, just as this one-armed science teacher, I'm like, oh, this is exciting because we don't even need to go into whatever the story is going to be. It's just the fact that he is there that could be something that they use later down the road. And I thought that was a great way to kind of start build, start doing exactly what they have now known, become known to do. Absolutely, it's the it's the idea that you never have to make up a name in a Marvel right. movie. That's ever like I want to be able to go on and be like that friend was named what Betsy. Okay. Right. Yep. There she is. Like, there's no reason to like, I mean, listen, you can make new characters and that's fine. I would actually love more of that, but I love when they're like, and that's a person. And that's like that Contessa Valentina, whatever with uh, Julia. I was like, what an over-the-top last-minute swing from from Falcon Winter Soldier. And then I looked, I was like, oh, no, like, oh, well-established no, character. Got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, there because it's also such a deep history at this point in comic books, that at some point, even if it's just a bit character, the, the amount of names that are definitely in there, and now with all these, you know, the fact that we can make digital databases, some intern, for sure, just has an Excel spreadsheet of like two bit characters that have never made an appearance more than once. Like, you know, like, so we could just steal that name and like, have it be an Easter egg. But if we wanted to make it into something, we totally can, you know, 
Like, yeah. there's no reason, like you said, to just leave something. Like, stop calling people man in 1943, right? Right. <laughs> Start being like Brent Howard. You know, and you're like, oh, who is that? If you are an extra in a Marvel movie and you are filling out IMDb, go to the Marvel Wikia and pick a name. Pick somebody, yeah. Stake your claim. That's, that is genius. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's exactly what people need to start doing. So we see these Hydra troopers. Um, we see a whole group of them walking by, and then they're going to stop at one who's standing in the hallway. One of I our gentlemen will. Um, they're, according to the the art of Captain America, they uh, Ryan Minerding said there were five classifications that they came up with for this, the Hydra troopers. There's an infantry with a light weapon, infantry with a heavy weapon, a flame trooper, a pilot, and a motorcycle uh, soldier. So those are the five types. And I am not exactly quite sure which ones we're seeing. Do these have light weapons or heavy weapons? I don't know. The guy at the door right. is very menacing, though. And I love that they worked so hard on the outfits. And what I thought was great is for their outfits, they, you know, the Hydra troop troopers have kind of a signature H on their outfits in the comics. And right. they realized that with the kind of the straps that they have, they could kind of mm -hmm. turn it into an H Absolutely. on all of these guys. And so I think that's kind of a cool little uh, nod that they have here. Yeah. It makes it look not as cartoony, but like it no, gives yeah. it like a real basis, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of like what they do with Captain America's outfits in, yeah. later <laughs> in the film. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was an entire person like hired to be like, the feathers. They've got to go. Figure out the feathers. <laughs> we want something. them to... There are people that love them. They look so stupid. But really, feathers, just figure it out. Just do something You're else. hired. Yeah. Scott, yeah. just go Scott get Scott Lang is like, I don't think I should be yeah. given this much. He stole you know. those feathers, went to jail, and that's yeah. a whole other story. <laughs> Ant-Man episode zero. If you ask me, those are America's feathers. <laughs> They're eaglet feathers. Well, okay. Should we talk about our, our Germans that we have here? Yes. Yeah. All right. So we have been hearing uh, a conversation going on. We came in uh, off screen. There's a conversation happening and the camera pans over and we see Schmidt walking ahead of three uh, SS officers. They are Roeder, Hutter, and Schneider are the three guys. Um, these are the, the three people who have been sent by uh, Hitler to kind of check in on what's going on here. They're very disappointed. The Fuhrer, as it says, as Roder says, is not accustomed to being ignored. And uh, as we learn, he's funding the research. They want weapons. And what Schneider says, and I thought this was funny, he says, he serves, you serve at his pleasure. He gave you this facility as a reward for your injuries. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's so, this is a very interesting conversation because it, it's there's there's clearly an interesting thing going on between uh, Hitler and uh, Schmidt as far as what kind of their expectations are and the relationship between them as far as Schmidt is this evil, uh, evil guy, evil scientist who's kind of coming up with stuff for him. But there's also this element here that, OK, Hitler knows that he has uh, this thing happened to him. And now, as he says, uh, Schmidt says, call it what it is. It's exile. I no longer reflect his image of an Aryan perfection, which is it's really interesting. We're getting closer and closer to kind of that reveal with all of this. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. What, how, how does this play for the two of you? I mean, like there's an HR department in every organization. And right. I mean, like, <laughs> is that like, these three are? Yeah, it's like, yeah. It, well, I mean, no, the like Hitler was like, oh, crud, this guy got 
super injured. Right. Uh, what can we do? He doesn't really do the company sort of branding anymore. And right. He sent in not these but guys. These guys are middle problem. management, and I hate them yeah. with all my heart. But some very, very nice HR person in the Nazi organization was like, all right, here's your paperwork. Here's the keys to the fortress. They have fluorescent lights. I don't know if you want to fix that. We will not fill a work order for you know right. for daylight. You have to type sign this. Lights. Right. Yeah. It's, here's a waiver. It's tungsten only. Dear um, waiver. <laughs> but the thing that is interesting to me is like, and you see it a little bit in this scene. I mean, you definitely see it in this scene. I don't know why I said a little bit. And you'll see it over the next couple of scenes as well, even past our time on this show. Um, something that I think is. Um, Sorry, on, on this week, rather, I guess is how I should say that. Um, <laughs> Even after we're long gone. Right. Um, no, but, like, I think something that's fascinating is that, like, in organizations, um, you know, fictional or real, uh, there is an interesting thing about when there is someone who is in power and it is by word, not by force, right? Uh, and this happens in, we actually recently talked about this with um, British soldiers in uh, India in 1942, mm. when we did some um, some episodes uh, from Ms. Marvel doing some flashbacks there, there is something very fascinating about people who believe that they are in power simply because it is like on a piece of paper, essentially. Right. Um, and so they walk into this space, like assuming that they have power over Schmidt. Right. And that he will respect that because he, as a part of their organization, surely knows that there is a hierarchy that he must follow. And they let that sort of smugness of, well, you know, m- you know, my papa got me this, you know, this job in the branch kind of thing. Right. Like, <laughs> like they've they've been moving up, but like they don't ever at any point give me the idea that they have ever really fought anyone or anything. They've, they are very much like the bureaucrats of yeah, right. this organization. The bureaucrats. And like the way that you know, that's very good. Uh, and like it's in the way that they speak to him, right? Like even when they're like, you know, you serve at his pleasure, right? Like, you know, like please, like, you know, this is an honor, right? But like I think they all know that it's not. And, you know, it's they kind of do the same type of scene in What If, right? Where here they say, like, you serve at his pleasure, right? Or, like, these are his demands. And, like, they always kind of come at him with these uh, words to kind of be like, well, you answer to us. Um, and I like his 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 ever, you know, like, throughout these next few scenes and stuff like that, you see that moment where he's like, okay, I'm playing along. And then he slowly makes that turn. And, like, you, we see at the end of this scene, too, like, when he takes the pause to be like, ah, would you like to see? And then we, we cut, but like you see that moment where he makes the decision of, okay, now's the time. Well, and it it really comes because Schneider actually uses the words red skull. And he, he, like, he calls him that. And like this, we haven't, this is the first time in this whole film that that has been said up to this point, he's always been Schmidt. uh, Mm -hmm. And we know like he's red skull, but no one has said it until Schneider finally says the Fuhrer feels 
how does he put it? The Red Skull has been indulged long enough. Right. And that is like, you know, for somebody who thinks that he is doing God's work or God work, like mm-hmm. literal God work, um, that is like very denigrating to know that, you know, Hitler looks down on him enough to call him that. And Schneider and the, these other guys all look down on him, too. And and so I think it's a great turn. And like the the way the conversation plays is is very smart to kind of see how Schmidt reacts to them and kind of uh, goes along with that. Like from that point on, he has made his decision and and is moving forward in a very particular right. direction. Yeah. And he, he likes, he starts to show his hand like more and more as he goes. Like, that's what I mean by like that slow turn where like he makes the decision. But like he's, you know, he's like, okay, I'm still going to play your game, but like I'm going to do it now on my terms, sort of situation. And like he starts to really, you know, for a brief moment at one point, he kind of lays it on thick until he starts, you know, super villain monologuing. But that's not in this episode. But still, like it's it's this interesting um, thing where he's kind of like, okay, you think that simply because you're told that you can come tell me this thing that you're more powerful than me? No, no. This, that's not what power is. So you think that there was a way that these three were going to leave this facility? I think that, like, if they were coming in, again, just like a, do like a routine checkup, right? And they just sort of did the meeting. Because, like, you know, again, he's like, okay, great. See ya, right? I don't think there's nothing in the initial conversation that made me think that he was like, oh, I'm going to kill them the second they walk through this door. It's the fact that they insulted him and stuff like that. Because mm. he he hasn't fully, they haven't fully done that thing where they're like, and now we have no use for the for the Nazi party, right? Because they're, they're making their plans. No, but they have. They replaced all the swastikas with Hydra's logos. Well, that's, yeah, that's the first thing. Like, we see, we see Hooter, Hooter stops, he sees all the Nazi insignias are gone. It's all... It's Hydra all Hydra stuff. everywhere. Yeah. But my my point is that I don't think he like there's nothing in this scene to me that says when they like when these people come to visit me, I'm just going to kill them. Right. Like, I think that initially it's like, all right, I will satisfy them and like, you know, whatever. Like, he doesn't really care about it because he's moving on with his plan. Right. And, you know, again, like, I don't want to get ahead of it. Well, let's come back to this conversation when we move into the other room. Yeah. I think he's done some stage setting next minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that to me says there was no way that this this trio was going to leave the facility. Well, it all depends on how ready is he. Huh. Well, he's very red, but... Ready, Skull. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's very, he's very um, ready. Ready, ready. Ready. Ready and ready. I think he was... I think that this was... They were walking into the lion's den, and they they decided to burn the lion with lit cigarettes as they walked into the den. So he's like, "Wow, I'm like super gonna kill you." Like, That's what I'm saying. Wait. You literally just said what I said, which is that like they. No, you said that he wasn't going to kill them. I right because I'm saying okay. I'm saying he was always going to kill them, and then they provoked him. So he's like, "Oh, that's not how you were going to be." To me, yeah, but, I mean, I said okay. He oh sorry. The phrase walking into the lion's den means you're going to get eaten by a lion. So that, sorry, and maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't uh, say that (laughs) right. But like to go into the lion's den means that you are going to be in grave danger of being killed by a lion. So to welcome people in, he's like, come on in. And then they provoked him and he's like, well, I was already going to kill you. But now, like, 
I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to make you, I'll kill you last or whatever. He didn't kill the guy that said the name last, but in in my opinion, it was just like, okay, let's get this over with. I have like more important things to do. And then when they were like, okay, here's this insult. He like stops the tour to take them off to some other spot, basically to be like, okay, cool. Like now I'm definitely going to like, now I'm just going to kill you. Wait, wait, wait. So you, he, he wasn't going to the lab before they insulted him. Well, let's talk it. Let's save that for tomorrow. We're going to save that for tomorrow. At this point, he he only gets to a point where he's like, you have come to see the results of our work, and that's where the minute ends. So right. we'll talk about like where he turns right. next time. Right. For now, though, it's this it's you know it's this conversation that he has with them that is about. I mean, it really is about as Rotor says uh, it, appearances and stuff like that. Like he hasn't delivered anything, and they want something. So I guess the question is. Even with the Hydra logos, even with the fact that the Nazi insignias are nowhere in here, if he, uh, like, I, I don't know, I, 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 there, this is a very difficult conversation because so much of it relies on what we're going to see tomorrow. Right. But I feel like if he was in a place where he wasn't quite ready, I feel like he would just give them some guns or something and send them on their way, right. knowing full well that they were going to tell everybody he's crazy. Um, we need to, um, you know, we need to end this. He doesn't have any Nazi stuff anywhere. He's starting his own thing. And, you know, that the point Nazis would have too invaded late. and he would have just, you know, killed them anyway. So, yeah. So I, I, I think either way he would still, as far as he's concerned, find a way to be on top. Cause I think he already has his plan. You know what I mean? Like he's already like, it, I don't care what they do at this point. Like they're beneath well, me. I think he kind of does. But again, I, I want to save that for tomorrow because his, there's some stuff that happens between him and Zola that I want to, yeah. that, that make me think perhaps otherwise. All right. Well, I want to talk a little bit about Rotor, Hooter and Schneider. Are we going to talk Kraut, Kraut Rock right now? Well, a little bit. I also want to do the IMDB game. Okay. Um, we do the IMDb game with uh, with everybody uh, of any note when they come on screen, and uh, sometimes it's harder, and I don't necessarily make it a game because it's so hard with people like these three who you otherwise really have no idea <laughs> right. who these actors are. Uh, Rotor is played by Anatoly Taubman. He's the one who's kind of in the lighter gray outfit. Um, he is a... Uh, what is his role? He is a, a colonel general, an ob... Oberst Gruppenführer, right? That means Colonel General in the in the SS. Um, and Anatoly Taubman plays him. Anatoly Taubman was born in Zurich. He is of Russian, Polish, Slovakian, Austrian, and former East Prussian blood. Wow, wow. changed yeah, his blood. I was pretty impressed with Prussian that. To, yeah. Um, the four films. I, I'm I'm just going to tell you for these three because I I am convinced that neither of you are following these actors religiously, and you know exactly what they're known for. Known for as are. Uh, so the four films IMDb says they're known for: Captain America: The First Avenger, number one; number two, Quantum of Solace. He plays Elvis, and I can't remember an Elvis in Quantum of Solace, but he plays Elvis. Hmm. Probably one of he like play, the gunmen or something. Yeah, some something yeah. like that. Yeah, he plays Dardan in Taken, and he plays Holger Stark in The Fifth Estate. So he huh. plays a Stark in another franchise. Very nice. I guess it's not a franchise. That's Anatoly Taubman. Uh, next up, we have Jan Pohl. Jan is German. He uh, is Hutter. He's the younger one. Yeah. And his four known fours are he's. This is his first known four. The second one is he's Hans Brunt in Miracle at Saint Anna. 
Uh, third, he's a ministry official in Fantastic Beasts, The Secret of Dumbledore. And last but not least, he plays Sasha in The Counterfeiters, which is, uh, that is a, a fantastic film, definitely worth checking out. Uh, so that is Jan Pohl, our hooter. Last but not least, we have the older looking guy. Uh, this is Schneider. He's got the mustache, uh, played by Eric Redman. Uh, Eric Redman is known for Captain America, the First Avengers. All three of them, this is their first known for. Second, he plays the German Bosun in U571. He plays German number one in Saving Private Ryan, and he is Herr Stripley in The Night Manager, uh, the uh, um, adaptation of John Lacare's novel with Tom Hiddleston right. and Hugh Laurie. Right, right. So. Oh. Yeah, so those are the three that we have here. Uh, they're going to be very short-lived roles, but but we've got a few minutes to enjoy them. So I wanted to fill you in a little bit on them. Oh, and I mentioned, yeah, so so Roder is the Colonel General, and then Hutter is the, uh, he's a major, he's a Strumbanführer, and uh, Schneider is the uh, Obergruppenführer, he's the Major General. So those right. are our three gentlemen that we have here do you but it sounds like you've got more uh german stuff that you'd like to talk about with these three uh yes i did i do want to say uh bring over my nicknames for them uh just uh for my ease of use uh i have rotor as balding hutter as young and schneider as short uh that was how i identified them to make the leap from imdb to the screen um Schneider does remind me of uh, if Ma- the guy that played Major Dad was in this movie. Um, the, he looks just like that guy. Maybe it's just the mustache. But Gerald McRaney, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the yeah the uh, guy who is God. He was. In, what was the other show that he was in? That it's funny that Major Dad is what you go to with him. Listen, the um, USA Network was incredibly kind to me. Simon and Simon, right? Simon right, 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 and Simon. Right. They are all named after members of the band Kraftwerk. Uh, and I did for this show. That was all. That was where I stopped for our show. But for this show, I did a special edition research into these guys. Uh, they are named after uh, Klaus Roeder and Florian Schneider and uh, Ralph Hutter. And Schneider and Hutter were the founders of Kraftwerk and played flutes, synths, and violin and organ and synths, respectively. And then for one year in 1974, Klaus Roeder came on and played electric guitar and electric violin on the band's uh, 1974 album Autobahn, which I think, I think the title track of that is probably the most famous Kraftwerk song. Um, it's 20 minutes long. It takes up the entire Jeez. side of the record. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, really? Yeah. That's like uh, what is that? Like in the in in Agata Davida. It's like in Agata Davida. Right, right. In Agata Davida. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you just reference Weird Al song? I did. That's awesome. Shout out to Mike. But yeah, so I think that it is hilarious that they that they were like, all right, my favorite Kraftwerk album is Autobahn. Who were the guys on that? Those are the Nazis. Or the yeah, the SS officials. <laughs> that is it's just such a it's it's a the weirdest pull, and I just love it very, very much. It's it's uh, again, like this week is chock full of favorite little like twinkling pieces of trivia that i really really uh think about a lot so Kraftwerk making their film debut as um (laughs) three ss officers two days before retirement and they have all the hopes in the world they just one (laughs) last mission and then they're then they're out um so things are looking up for them so funny what a what an interesting little i want to know who is the Kraftwerk fan right yeah chris evans is like hey (laughs) 
Uh, Actually, I got to go into the script now. See, no, they are named that in the script. So I wonder if it was uh, uh, one of the writers who who threw that in there. This is this is um, um, a McFeely at all script, right? So uh, McFeely and Marcus. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what, renowned yeah. for their nineteen uh, seventies German uh, rock uh, tastes. So interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. great. I love I love weird bits of trivia like that. So it's so it's such a like what a swing. Um. Well, okay. So that's I mean, this is kind of where we're we're on the cusp of this conversation. We want to have yeah yeah um because there's more coming tomorrow. So let's unless there's something else, let's cap it here. We'll <laughs> circle back and we'll finish this. Ed, you like that? We're gonna uh, <laughs> circle back. And uh, we'll finish this up tomorrow with Minute 45. How's that sound? That sounds great. Perfect. All right. Remind everybody again about your podcast. Uh, we are, uh, I almost said part. Well, we are part of the Scavengers Network, uh, which is a podcast network with lots of great shows on it. Our great show is called Timeline Scavengers, where we're going through the MCU in historical order. And uh, by MCU, we mean uh, official MCU and also any other of the shows that basically came out things that we like. when, since Iron Man started. Um, in historical order, by which we mean that, like on a timeline where things take place. No matter what the work is, we're going through in, in that order, uh, leaning heavily on the MCU wiki, which you should check out. So you can find us on Twitter at TimelineScav, which is all going to be in the show notes. Uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it and uh, coming up with just, you know, filling our treasure troves with inside jokes and, and small little asides and trivia and, you know, dumb things that we bring to other people's uh, shows, which is... Uh, which I'm sure it's very fun for all of us. It's folks. like a, a plague. Timeline Scavengers. <laughs> the Timeline like Scavengers plague. <laughs> if you give us a, a review on iTunes and just be like, I got the plague, Ooh, I will know. I we'll don't know. No? 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 Is that nothing? I got right, the plaque. Cut that. Say I got the plaque. All right. Cut that. Never uh, everybody tune in check out their stuff it is in the show notes uh, we'll be back one more time to talk about Minute 45 tomorrow so uh, until next time true believers Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM engineering by Andy Nelson This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show.